Welcome to Smith Weekly Discussions, an occasional program for our readers and listeners of Smith Weekly Research. Please note this program is a private discussion and everything contained herein is for entertainment and educational purposes only. With that, we hope you're in a comfortable position along with your favorite beverage to enjoy the discussion. We remind our audience to examine the show notes attached to each of our shows to better understand how our program functions. Before we get into our discussion, we want to say thanks for questions coming from our audience at Smith Weekly, including Brent S., Luke A., and Jared W. We have a new guest on the show today, John Lee, Executive Chairman of Silver Elephant Mining, a silver-focused explorer developer with various stage projects in Bolivia, Nevada, United States, Mongolia, and Ontario, Canada. The company is listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange under the symbol ELEF and also on the US OTC markets under the symbol SILEF. John, thanks for coming on the show. Great to be on your show, Andrew, for the first time. Well, John, introduce yourself uh, to the audience. Give us your background and experience in the natural resource sector. Andrew, uh, my name is John Lee. I'm a charter financial analyst, the founder and chairman of Silver Alpha Mining. The company is listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange start us under the OTCQS in the United States. Uh, the company is, is, uh, the, uh, is a mineral exploration company that's primarily focused on silver. It's been around for the last few years. My self-background, I graduated from Rice University with degrees in economics and uh, engineering. Spent the first five years in the Silicon Valley back in the early, late 90s. And then uh, as a semi-retired person at a young age, um, accidentally got into the mineral exploration and the investment business and uh, took over Silver Elephant as a shell in 2009. And since then, the company has raised about $100 million and then acquired a lot of assets with the current focus in silver. Your thoughts on the gold and silver markets here, they're a little bit connected. Uh, just maybe speak to the broad market for gold and silver here and where do you think we're headed over the next, say, 18 months? Well, Andrew, gold and silver are very much interlinked. Um, they say gold, silver is a poor man's gold f for that reason, and both metals being uh, being tendered as money in, in, in since mankind in that for thousands of years. Andrew, we are entering in absolute unprecedented. Uh, from the text, let me just uh, briefly go over from the technical perspective. Now, gold uh, took out first of all eight hundred dollars back in the eighties, and uh, in 2009, 10 years ago, it uh, what well, 2011, just uh, under 10 years ago, it uh, broke out. Of, it reached a high of $1,800, and it's taken almost 10 years for that critical level or historical level to be overcome. And that took place in June of this year, just a couple of months ago, three months ago. And uh, it went to uh, 1850, uh, rested somewhat, and uh, in, in in August. A few weeks ago, it reached out to $2,100 an ounce. So in, in terms of technical and absolute terms, the gold market, we're witnessing absolute historical trends. And, there, and there's good reason for that fundamentally as, the, as, as we're, we're looking at something even worse than the great, great financial crisis in 2009, looking at unemployed numbers anywhere on, from 10 to 30%, depending how you measure, and unprecedented Fed deficit over $3 trillion per year with no end in sight. And the Fed embarking on a unprecedented or unlimited QE infinity quantitative easing and its balance sheet of currently stands at $7 trillion, which is double from it was at $3 trillion just three months ago. It's running at the rate of a $1 trillion a month, literally. And correspondingly, silver is a bit of a lagger because it has that industrial element to it. 
However, silver back in 2011, when gold was 19, uh, when gold was 1800, silver was at 50 dollars, and silver right now is half of what it was at 27. Uh, therefore, to catch up to, to gold even at the current price, you could be potentially looking at a doubling of the silver price. And our belief is silver is actually going to outperform gold as it typically does post financial crisis. And so therefore, in terms of for both metals, there's still a lot of upside to come. In terms of gold is taking a historical high and it's likely to reach another high in the weeks and months to come. And for silver, it's playing catch up and uh, there's a bit more torque uh, for silver as, as versus gold. Appreciate your view on that, and there's a lot of a lot of issues going around in the world, and and a lot of issues with money and and how these things are intertwined, and some of the fiscal call it degradation or irresponsibility by a lot of uh, central governments. You could probably point a finger at the fact that if historic price runs have been anything of an indicator, the price of gold and the price of silver should double their past high. That means you know potentially close to 100 silver and uh, gold probably somewhere near the, the $4,000 an ounce mark. And I think that is actually conservative, probably sometime over the next three years. So we'll see how that goes. Maybe it doesn't <laughs> happen that fast. But look, there hasn't been any rally in silver or gold where the price has taken out its past high and at least doubled. That's an interesting uh, proposition. Well, let's switch over to vanadium for a moment, John. Your company has some vanadium assets. Uh, give us your thoughts on the forward demand for vanadium, and where do you see the vanadium price going, and will it behave like it has the past few decades, or is another trajectory in store? Andrew, you made the very succinct point about gold and silver. Um, as with all commodities, uh, investment, commodity investment is much about timing. Uh, typically for a metal, you can pick, pick one of the baskets, uh, gold and silver, even vanadium, Typically, these metals, uh, give a decade, given decade, spend 70% of the time going sideways, one year, one and a half year going up, and one a year, half year going down. And the key here is to want to make sure you enter the market 20% uh, from the bottom and you sell 20% from the top. And I do believe that now is the best time to get in gold and silver, given that gold is taken out of his 1950 historical high. And typically, when that happens, out of a very strong technical breakout, is going to advance quite rapidly for big magnitude. And just quick, uh, quickly on, on gold's uh, target is uh, if you look at the bottom of the saucer, the trial was 1100, the neck is 1900, and if you just flip the mirror the other way, <laughs> a conservative target is around 3000 from today. And the silver at, at a bottom of a gold ratio, silver ratio of 35, you're looking at potentially $100 silver in the very near term, less than 12 months from now. Regarding vanadium, now vanadium is a metal that uh, Silver Elephant picked up two year, three years ago while waiting for the uh, the gold and, gold and silver to uh, make this light of the day. Vanadium is, is what Robert Freeland, which is a legendary mining billionaire, called a miracle metal uh, for the 21st century because it's used in modern applications, used in strengthening of the steel, whereas 0.5% of the um, vanadium used a mix of steel could double the strength using ordinary scrap constructions and lighten the weight by up to 30%. That's why you find vanadium in modern, in, in, air, in, in airline constructions and all in military defense, in, in missiles, as, as it uh, lightens the transportation weight. It's also used in, in, uh, in, uh, in batteries and it's called the redox vanadium batteries. And these are utility scale batteries. They're not as mobile as lithium, but they can store very large quantity of 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 uh, electricity and uh, 
the battery itself does not degrade over 20 years and it has a 100% discharge, unlike lithium. So it has a lot of very, very unique quality for vanadium and uh, they're using these applications that we see the demand is only gonna grow for the, for the years to come. Vanadium is a very volatile metal. When, when Elephant first got into vanadium, vanadium was $4 in 2007 a pound. And in two years, vanadium went to $35 a pound. It's a 10-bagger. And then vanadium since then is uh, is sort of a fall back to a more reasonable support level at around $10. Our project is uh, economic at, at $10. Vanadium and uh, that project having vanadium in Nevada is under the permitting, final permitting stage with the federal U.S. Bureau and Land, Bureau and Land Management going through the EIS process, environmental impact statement. Yeah, certainly, we follow Vanadium to some degree here, and there was a pop about, I guess, now about two years ago, roughly, where we had Vanadium prices had jumped up to a point where some of the companies in the United States that also process uranium, uh, namely energy fuels, and had started some some reprocessing of uh, existing material that they had at their facilities. Of course, the price came back down, and enthusiasm related to Vanadium kind of fell out. And I do remember the prophecy development uh, asset as well back then, and it saw kind of what had happened. Maybe we'll just stay on that for just one moment. Uh, is that Vanadium project a parallel focus for the company uh, compared to the silver assets? Yeah, Andrew, uh, Elephant is the formerly known as Prophecy. And um, the answer is um, the Elephant, as his name suggests, as we changed our name in, in March. and. <laughs> I, I was just with David Morgan through an interview and a Silver Fest conference. Uh, the skeleton is not so much, we're coming out of the closet. Our identity and DNA is silver. Uh, the silver, the, the vanadium asset is likely to be spun off sometime in 2021 uh, as that project enters in, into the project financing stage to uh, dedicate and minimize, to minimize that dilution and dedicate the uh, vanadium asset for vanadium investors and vanadium focused audience. The project is going at a very final stage of the EIS process. The EIS is uh, almost uh, EIS process for those who are not aware. For U.S. money investors, it is last stage of the uh, process before construction decision and construction permit could be given, and it's going through the public hearing stage, scoping stage. So majority of the work has been done, uh, plan of operation, baseline studies, and uh, all the mitigation. Um, the proposed mining method and so all that stuff has been done and it's going through that public hearing stage. Um, Nevada is one of the is, is a, a top three mining jurisdiction for mining investment around the world according to the Fraser Institute and the plan to, uh, just in summary again is to spin off the vanadium asset uh, upon it's, it's, it's been granted a, a, a permit for for mining and construction and at that time the project will enter into a uh, project financing stage. It carry, I mean, the project complements quite well with our silver assets in Bolivia, as one is a bit more challenging jurisdiction in silver and the other one's vanadium. Likely existing elephant shareholders will be giving a dividend shares from the spinoff company, so act as a, a additional value um, for the current elephant shareholders. Okay, and let's just talk the other assets just briefly. Can you just give us an overview of the silver assets in Bolivia? Just a, a brief overview, and then also the other two projects, the one in Ontario and the coal asset in Mongolia. Uh, our assets in silver, uh, they're, they're situated in Bolivia. Um, it's what we call the three O's, uh, the Sunawayo, which we picked up a week ago, and uh, Troanfo, which is we picked up two months ago. And our flagship, original flagship project, the Pulakaya, which was acquired by the company in 2015. 
uh, collectively they all have they all each have different merit. Sunawaya borders a 350 million ounce deposit called Melkukota, and Melkukota is under application by Elephant with the Bolivian government. So that is potentially one of the largest um, uh, con controlled SEDEX style silver deposit that tend to run very large by a junior like Elephant. So and Pulukayo has a current 43 resource of 60 million ounces. There's going to be a new resource update coming within the next couple of weeks in September, uh, incorporating the recent drill, drill results we have uh, gathered in the last two years, as well as just lowering of the resource cutoff with a higher silver price. Ultra Info, of which we just acquired in July, is a bulk tonnage multi-metallic Bolivian deposit, of which it has historical drill hole, featuring over 94 meters of 1 gram gold equivalents. It's, uh, 0.4 grams of gold, 22 grams of silver, and 1% lead and zinc equivalent. So all three together combined, each one of them has the potential to reach well over 100 million ounces in silver resource. And collectively, our target for our silver expanding silver portfolio is at 300 million ounces in the next 12 months, sometime by the end of 2021, early 2022. It is a very ambitious, ambitious target, uh, but we felt very confident of executing our business strategy uh, this year so far, despite a, despite the COVID of 2020, Andrew, is turning out to be the busiest year for our company. And we will not be surprised to see additional acquisitions to come. Absolutely just out of the park for what we have done so far this year. Okay, John. And let's talk just briefly uh, capital structure. Can you share with us how many shares are outstanding at the moment? Uh, how much cash does the company have on hand? How far will that carry the company? And, of course, major shareholders here. Yeah, so I think Andrew, all in all, we really minimize any non-silver related related uh, activities and coal and uh, uh, Ontario Vanadium project are on the back burner. They're not of critical importance and they're very minor expenses. Com company's current share structure fully uh, outstanding is 145 million shares of which, uh, and then fully diluted is 189 million shares. The company trades awesome liquidity, 2 million, 2 million shares a day. Um, we turn over our entire shareholder base in the last two and a half months. Uh, in, shareholders included insiders and institutions such as Sprott collectively uh, account for 30% of the share register. Uh, we don't, we haven't done the financing in four months. Uh, we have about $2 million in the bank, but continued are these uh, 40 million warrants and options that are coming in on, on a monthly basis. We'd expect to raise another $2 million from war and exercise. So therefore our 2020 remainder 2020 is fully funded. John, can you just speak to how many shares, uh, you know, on a percentage basis is Sprott in for? And also, John, what's your shareholding in the company? Mm, well, as I mentioned, 145 million shares outstanding. Sprott came in for just under 9 million shares last year uh, at a price averaging about 30 cents. This public information could be retrieved from our website. And the company is trading right now at 50 cents, so he's doubling his money. Uh, uh, he So he owns 9 million shares. Uh, there hasn't been any discussion uh, from him about selling and he's a longtime shareholder. We also have others uh, like such as Maria of uh, Night Point and other prominent billion dollar plus fund out of the United States and uh, Australia. They own less than 10%, so they're not disclosable. My family, myself and uh, my close associates uh, collectively own another uh, 12 million shares approximately. So, uh, so altogether of, uh, close to 30% owned by institutions and insiders. I appreciate that, John. Now, the back in May 2016, approximately, the company did a share consolidation followed by a split of the shares in mid-2018. Some different changes to the company came about. What was the reasoning for the consolidation and then the split of the shares? In the 2016 consolidation, it was a 100 to 1 consolidation. 
and uh, we were a little bit ahead of our time. <laughs> our share register shrunk from, I recall, around uh, 300 million shares to 3 million shares. Uh, it's first of all, the, 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 it was over 300 million shares, so the stock was trading something around uh, three cents to four cents. We wanted to consolidate and make it a more appealing trading platform. Uh, we were a little bit more ambitious than we thought. Uh, <laughs> the lack of sh number of shares at three million shares created a little, a little bit of lack of, you know, it was too many. It was an issue in, in that there's not a lot of shares being traded because there are not enough shares. Um, and the reason for uh, such an ambitious consolidation was eventually getting onto the U.S. major exchange, which requires a $3 trading minimum. Uh, we under, we recognized the mistake, so we did a, a share split about two years later to a 10, one, 10 to 1 share split to, to uh, relax our share register to around 50 at the time. And that was the reasoning behind the rationale. I think we're a little bit too aggressive in consolidation, so we had to uh, split to uh, make make a bit more number of shares for the for the companies to be trading at a, at a reasonable liquidity. And our ambitious going forward is again getting on the U.S. stock exchange. So at an opportune time, we might uh, effect a reverse split, so that the company trades above three U.S. dollars to uh, to get on the U.S. exchange. And the the purpose for that is obviously U.S. is uh, ten times the Canadian population, and then uh, U.S. is all about all the silver bucks. Majority of them reside in the United States, and the story is already trading a very very healthy liquidity under the OTC at about a million shares a day. Speaking of that, what is the kind of the thought process on getting, I suspect you're talking about the NYSE Amex exchange. What's the target market cap for the company before you guys attempt to jump onto that exchange? And it makes sense if you have the right size, I believe. And of course, we know that the U.S. market is by far the best and, and biggest market out there for now anyway. What's your thoughts on how you guys might go about getting on that and when you might do it? Elephant had already spent majority, the, the mo most of the heavy lifting is already done to uh, to list on NYSE-MX, as you correctly pointed out. And um, so with listing with Canada, listing United States, just to share with the audience, there are really two elements to it. One is to make sure that the company is a eligible reporting issuer. Uh, and that is governed by the SEC, or in Canada would be governed by the commission. Uh, either BC, Alberta, or, Can or Ontario, depending on your, the resident, your uh, company uh, domicile. So for that, it's already been done. We are Elephant is a 20F US SEC reporting issuer, and that is taken. That is actually majority of the heavy lifting, and that just make sure the company is compliant with all the rules and regulations to to be a, a uh, security uh, uh, to be traded on the major exchange in the United States. And the other element is to the admissibility of, of Elephant by the American Stock Exchange, or it could be NASDAQ, or it could be New York Stock Exchange main board, and each one of those company uh, exchange has their own rules and, uh, and, and uh, qualifications. Elephant is eligible today to be listed as the company's market cap, liquidity, and uh, trading history, and the fact that it's, it's already been listed on the Canadian Stock Exchange for a number of years, already qualified. So now it's more of a qualitative measure than they say as a miscibility measure. Our our belief is we will try to start at uh, NYSEMX before the end of the year, uh, especially we're in current discussion with a number of uh, strategic shareholders looking to establish additional significant stake in the company. That is really going to put a stamp of approval uh, for our uh, for our official application with NYSEMX, who we're in very close in very close uh, communications with. In terms of the asset of the company, the market capitalization of the company, 
and the stage and the uh, eligibility of the company, we already well qualified to list on ICMX. And we're just look, putting that little bit share on the top in terms of getting a strategic shareholder and sure about treasury right now, a little bit further from current around 2 million-ish to around 10 to 20. And then that would uh, should suffice, suffice getting MX, uh, you know, across that dotted line and getting the company listed. Uh, maybe before the end of the year, depending on how COVID uh, sits about, but uh, I think uh, a reasonable target would be in the first half of 2021. And John, the company is uh, exploration stage at this point with a little bit of development potentially here. In this stage right now, things can be quite dilutive over the years. And with the market cap around 50 today, 50 million US, um, how do you approach the compensation at this point in the company, John, to get obviously to a bigger market cap and potentially operational cash flow? Well, Andrew, the way we look at it is is not so much looking at the market cap of the company on the weekly, monthly, or on the on the on a quarterly basis. I mean, elephants market cap has ranged from 20 to 100 in the last three years, but rather looking at the assets of the company, the value of the com- the value of those assets, and getting the right people to manage these assets. I mean, the worst thing you can have is to have the wrong people manage the the, the assets that we have, which we believe are world class and then may potentially lose the assets because of the uh, mismanagement or not getting not or not getting the right uh, feasibility studies done or drilling the right places so we try to be very competitive with our uh, with our line of our staff uh, according to market prevailing terms however i think my overall mandate as as the chairman and the and the director of the board and then the larger shareholder is to make sure that we get the right people to do the right job so uh, and also given that we have three potentially world-class projects in Bolivia and a project in Nevada and other operations in, in, in Canada, in Asia, we requires a st- stretch of our team to really the maximum and complete and total dedication of our uh, management to be focusing on one company and one company only, and that's Silver Elephant. So I think we're very, very competitive in terms of GNA uh, and our salary structure. Um, given the assets that we are currently managing, uh, currently managing, and also get credentials and their uh, and their past uh, operations and their past credits to be managing, uh, to be, to be managing our company. And not to mention also, just last point, Andrew, uh, the company has raised uh, close to thirty million dollars uh, in the last three years because of our activities. Uh, we've required four projects in the last two years, three years, and this is a very active management. It's really not this typical exploration type of um, company where uh, the guys go on to golf, golf, the golfing or, or tennising for eight months at the time, and then when the drill season comes, raise a couple bucks and drill a couple holes. <laughs> I think our company is far, far away from that. And uh, judging on the, our current trading liquidity, uh, clearly there's very heavy accumulation taking place, and we'll not be surprised to see multiples of our current market cap in the very near future, especially given the current bull marketing silver. Appreciate that, John, and I think it is a concern for many investors. 2016, the bull market started and it was, of course, stagnant for a couple of years, and then we're off to the races yet again. But before that, from basically 2012 until 2016, it was a pretty uh, harsh uh, bear market. And Horrible. I think investors, <laughs> yes, many, yes. many investors, it's a concern. Waste in management, GNA cost promotion is a concern when there's a way to do it uh, that, that meets both shareholder value and also value for the, for the management team as well. 
And uh, so I think that's important to talk about. Now let's talk the projects of Bolivia. Now, can you just outline for us and kind of explain a little bit of the, the position of the Sunawayo project in Bolivia, if I pronounce that correctly? Now, I understand that's the most advanced silver project given your guys' application to potentially advance there, which adjacent to it, you have the uh, Malkul deposit. Explain the uh, the relationship with the government ministry there as far as your guys' application for a, a MPC contract or mining production contract. Can you just talk about that and, and what your guys' goals are with that? Because that appears to be the most substantial asset at the company. Well, Andrew, it's not so much as, as the most advanced. Uh, the, the most advanced project would, would like, well, all three projects has uh, mining uh, limited mining activities. So it would not take a, a lot to commence a sizable mining construction uh, operation pending sort of company figuring out what the production profile is. However, going into production is not the company's priority. We understand our strength and weakness, Andrew, and our strength is exploration. Uh, we are exploration expert exploration geologists in looking for sniffing around, getting in incredible, interesting assets, and then de-risk them by exploration, drilling holes, expanding uh, resources, and then eventually figure out a production scenario. So our most advanced project in terms of uh, drill dollars in the ground is actually the Pulukayo project. However, the Sinawayo project has the, and together collectively with the Malkukota project, could turn into a uh, potentially a billion ounce uh, silver resource. And this is not a misprint. Uh, Sinawayo is 50 square kilometers in, in size and 17 kilometer in, in, in strike. Uh, and that is that project is a private patented land, just like uh, in United States, uh, and that's owned by a private individual of which the company Elephant acquired uh, not even a month ago, a week ago, and uh, the price tag was 6.5 million to be paid over 12 months. So we have the project outright. To the south, immediately to the south, is the Makukota project, and that is a similar size, around 17 kilometer stretch and uh, another 50 square kilometer, and that project sits right just underneath Sunawayo, and that project is unpatented land and administered by the Bolivian government. And the way you uh, apply for the rights to explore a, a government uh, unpatented land is through what they call the mining production contract. Uh, in the United States and in Canada, in Canada you can do this digitally online. When the, the clock strikes midnight, you can go online, stake your available land and, and pay it by credit card and you're off you're off to the races. And the United States is a little bit a little bit <laughs> backward in that you have to literally go to the project as we did in Nevada, uh, stake the land with a flag or a plate, and then go to the local office, you register, the office usually takes about a week to figure out whether there's other people that are doing the same thing and then about you know a month later come back to you to see whether we got the land or not. In Bolivia, it's even a little bit, uh, it takes a little more longer so they have to check whether your company is in good working and then you have any prior run-ins or any outstanding dues with the government. Make sure your application is within the specification. The land you, you have applied is not simultaneously under application with other companies. So that pro that process is that is undergoing. That process is undergoing for Melkokota. And Melkokota had a historical resource of 350 million ounces of silver and that was uh, that was published back in 2011. Therefore, the ounces are resources identification is relatively modern from 42,000 meters of drilling. And that, that resource said literally 200 meters to the south of the boundary. So it strat literally straddles. And we have very, every reason to believe that deposit straddles uh, at the border 
and the trend is called the sandstone trend, uh, extends another eight kilometers northwest into Sunawayo. Uh, we've taken 48 samples along that eight kilometers, uh, and the, the results will be out shortly. Uh, if we, if if these assay results confirm what we believe is the continuation of the Malcolm sandstone trend, we could be look, potentially looking at, at um, a cluster of deposits of which Malcolm in itself is only three kilometer uh, span. Um, we could be looking at you know a, a ten or maybe even fifteen kilometers of sandstone bearing minerals that are that could host a cluster of deposits. And uh, that could uh, well, you know, stretch over a billion ounces in silver resource. It's incredibly exciting. And Andrew, if I could just spend a minute to talk about the type type of sandstone, which really bears a lot of relevance. It is called the sedex deposit, which is a sedimentary exohalid deposits, as uh, so I'm learning from a geologist. And these are minerals that were born tens of billions of years ago when there's hydrothermal fluids that exhaled from the bottom of the seabed and the spill literally all over the seabed and making a mess typically can run from hundreds of kilometers as witnessed by the Glencore's Mount Isa Sedex deposit. Uh, it's been in production for 100 years, however, still has 500 million tons of resource remaining. Um, there was over 17 deposits, uh, Mount Isa in the region, spent over 600 kilometers. Another uh, example of Sedex deposit would be Tecumseh's Red Dot deposit in the United States uh, in Alaska. It's been in operation since the 70s, over close to 50 years, and it currently is still the largest silver deposit, silver producer in in the United States, over seven million ounces of silver production annually. So it is a very unique type of deposit, easily identifiable, well understood, and the reason to, we're able to get this project because of lack of foreign investment in Bolivia, because all the other sizable SADEX deposits already been claimed by the Rio Tintos, Glencores, and Tecaminco. Appreciate the uh, overview on that, John. So the goal is is to control those two assets there that are adjacent to each other. And with that, uh, you guys are starting off with a historical resource of, of approximately 350 million ounces of silver. So is the goal there to just kind of advance that, de-risk that, and put out uh, some kind of a you know PEA study on that asset uh, for potential you know folks who are interested in potentially acquiring that asset. Yeah, Andrew, you're right. We already have the twin, right? It's either half we're getting. Uh, however, I think we both are equally of merit. If you were to go to our website, silveraleph.com, you can clearly see that trend inching continue towards uh, Sunawayo uh, just visually from satellite. And, and we actually think that the, the mineralization thickens in Sunawayo. <laughs> and Andrew, the answer to your question is, I don't think it's going to take a PEA for the value of the, of the deposit to be realized because it's such a gigantic in size. Um, and it's 34 kilometers, and when we're looking at the Malcocota deposit, that bears 350 million ounces. Andrew, with my geologist, say, hey, when can we start drilling? And, uh, and they're telling me, John, that deposit, 350 million ounces, is only a dot on the map. So you can imagine the amount of work we need to do because it's such underexplored, because it hasn't even got a drill hole on Sunawayo side, and on, even on, on the Malcocota side, only three kilometers, which is only 20% of the deposits being drilled, there, there's a lot of work to be done on sampling. We need to get a structural engineer to go out, even just to walk the deposit, right? It's gonna take days and weeks uh, to complete that mission. And there's gonna be sampling, IPs, max survey. So all sorts of different things need to take place to really exploit this absolutely incredible world-class size project in detail. And I think the value is gonna steadily be realized as we st start to get the story out 
and uh, just last week alone we traded 8 million shares and we, as we start drilling Andrew on uh, on a very wide step out drilling and it's not going to be hard for sophisticated investor even for novice investor to put the dots together right if you were to drill one hole you hit and then another hole a kilometer away another hole a kilometers away another hole 5 kilometers away to stretch that calculation of resources well into the hundreds of millions of tons and potentially into a billion ton range. I don't think it's going to take a 4311 resource or even a PEA for folks to realize the value of this vast deposit at the current $27 silver price, which is which is a very relevant parameters and the matrix you have to engage. As this type of deposit tend to be a little lower grade and at a very large footprint and requires quite a bit of capex worthy of a major company to to go into and uh i think there's going to be a very exciting uh, times to come and the simple mandate for the company as we do with all three of our projects in sunawayo in Palu, in, in pulukayo and in Trianfo, is to drill and develop a resource and to sh demonstrate the company's capability of 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 increasing the silver resources and then depending on the silver price depending on the size and extent of each deposit, we can then get the right people either internally or somebody else uh, from a major to help to help us figure out what is the right production scenario. Uh, open pit underground, tons per day, production per day, per, per day production per year, etc. at the later stage. When do you guys expect to get uh, an answer back from the Bolivian government on the MPC application? Mining production application related pertains to the Melcocota project. Uh, we've had we have good, some good success with the Pulukayo pro, uh, MPC process last year. Um, with it is it's more of an administrative uh, process, and it goes through three major stages. One is the validation for the completeness and correctness of the application, and within that first stage is uh, the technical evaluate the technical due diligence, financial due diligence, and legal due diligence. And the technical due diligence is about our submission. Um, what we'd like to do with the project, uh, the, the parameters of the project, the legal, uh, the legal due diligence about the uh, legality of the company in, in Bolivia to apply for the, the land. And the financial is about our companies in good standing. There's no debt or bankruptcy filings. So fairly basic. Then it goes through the negotiating stage with the government. And uh, there is a well-established um, uh, royalty scheme of which uh, would be applicable for this type of state uh, asset early stage uh, without 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 uh, without a feasibility study. So it's a royalty negotiating discussion. She usually takes about a month to three months, and then followed by the approval of the government. And usually that process takes about three months. So uh, we have applied for the NPC in January of 2020. And uh, we'll be uh, we're quite optimistic to reaching a positive conclusion in 2021. And two other key elements regarding MPC is is that uh, the the government is is on the first come first serve. So the government is not to entertain or accept other MPC applications um, before uh, before the conclusion before our MPC reaching a conclusion. And secondly, is if there's any deficiencies or questions or amendment required for our MPC, the elephant has the has the opportunity to address for every deficiencies and and correctness issues on our MPC. So we we have gone through this process before, and we feel quite confident. We know what it takes to get to the finishing line, and we're quite optimistic of sometime in 2021 to get the other half of the twin sister under our belt. 
Okay, John, and the strategy uh, for Silver Elephant here, what do you think the timeline is to get this, you know, get some of these assets advanced? What do you guys see there as far as your timeline to get that to happen? And then also, uh, you spoke to it earlier, the goal is is to to prove up these assets for a buyout. What's your time frame? What's your thought on that? Well, Andrew, first of all, I wouldn't say a buyout. At the right time, we're going to hire the right people to develop these assets. If the capital markets are conducive to that, to minimize our liquidity, as I'm, I'm the largest shareholder of the company. Dilution matters a lot to me, and management and shareholders absolutely aligned on that regard. Our objective, and, and in terms of the strategy for those investors who's been around the last bull market and started in, in 2001, we're really taking the playbook from the company called Silver Standards. And that's a company that went from, you know, where we started today, a 70 million market cap, went to three, four billion dollars, a 30 bagger, Andrew, despite not having a single mine that's in production. So in, in, in less than five years, the company went from a less than a dollar to uh, to almost $30. And it's the 30 bagger and there's a playbook we're taking. Uh, we are well, and the way to achieve uh, expanding resources twofold, either you drill the assets or you acquire new assets. And we're doing both and we've demonstrated ability to do that. Uh, we're going to be drilling as soon as we get a bit more understanding on Sunawaya. We like to set a rig there as soon as possible, likely by year end. But however, that is a project such a massive size. We want to do want to make sure we uh, identify the right structure. It's such a just such a huge project. We could be we could be setting five rigs or ten rigs drilling at the same time. So that project requires a bit of homework before we really start a program. Pulakaya, we are drilling as we speak. And that project had received 90,000 meters of drilling at 57 million ounces of resource today. Uh, a resource update is going to be published, as I mentioned earlier, within the next 30 days. It could look, look at substantial increase in resources, calculate at a slightly lower cutoff, and also incorporating the drill, um, the drills that we've done in the last two years. And we're going to continue to drill that is the 30 square kilometer district. It's the second largest mine, silver mine, based on historical production of 600 million ounces. And when you have a mine of that size as a brownfield exploration, uh, the the uh, the uh, potential for additional discovery is very very good. So we're drilling on that deposit. And Ultra Info deposit is a poly multi uh, polymetallic uh, gold and silver and the lead and zinc deposit. There's a prior three drill holes by the previous operator. All three hit mineralization of 5200 meters at a one gram gold equivalent. And we like to think either these guys are very brainy or the project is no brainer. Probably it's the latter. So we've, we've set four, five drill holes started two months ago. We're on to hole number four. The core looked very good. And if we have good success, then we're going to start another drill campaign. You are not surprised to see uh, Ultra Info develop into a 30 to 50 million ounce, a 30 to 50 million tons resource uh, in 2011 at one grand gold equivalent. That would be one and a half million ounces of gold. And that would be another, like, on a silver equivalent basis, close to 100 million ounces. So all in all, Andrew, our objective uh, in the next 2021-2022 is to uh, prove up 300 million ounces of silver or silver equivalent. And we think we're well, well on our way to do that. 100 million ounces from Pulukayo, 100 million ounces from uh, Ultra Info, and up to 350 million ounces on Makukata alone, and potentially a mirroring of that, another 350 million ounces from, um, uh, from Sunawayo. And uh, so all collectively, you know, I think our 300 million ounces silver is conservative and uh, we could be potentially looking at a billion ounces in first silver resource in the next two to three years, and which would be absolute envy of a, of a junior, of any junior 
today in the market. I mean, 300 million ounces already ambitious or even potentially completely out of reach for most of the silver juniors. And we were looking at a billion ounces of potential going forward as a company. Exciting times. And John, talk about the uh, the comparison to you know some of the other companies out there that have these single large deposits. Um, I suppose uh, Bear Creek in Peru, I think it's New Pacific in Bolivia there, and then also Discovery Metals, which has been on our show before. You know these single large silver assets, the valuations. Talk about how Silver Elephant slots in there um, for those competing with those peer companies, rather than just you know being a company that has a bunch of projects spread around that make up a total amount of silver. Um, obviously, you guys have the potential to do both with maybe one big project. Um, what's your thoughts on valuation and competing with the peers? Yes, uh, there are really two very interesting points, Andrew, you brought up, and it's always good to be uh, discussing silver with sophisticated hosts. Uh, first of all, I would not necessarily apply a discount to a company just because its resources are diversified amongst different projects. I would, in, I, in fact, it could be a positive or a strength. Uh, and the way to tell is clearly depending on the merit of the project. If you have a cluster of you know, subpar class assets, obviously, collectively, whatever made up, right? <laughs> if, if it's junk, collective junk is still junk. And if, if you have, however, on the other side of the coin, if you have collective assets that are all world-class and altogether it diversifies your risk, lowers your risk. Uh, as, as mining is a very risky business and the project, just because it has merit technically, doesn't mean that it can get developed. There's metallurgical risk and there's also community uh, political risk. So, so I, I wouldn't necessarily discount uh, Elephant uh, because of the resources comprised of assets, uh, resources from from collective a set of assets. Uh, so that's the first point. I we do believe each one of those assets is a, is a terrific uh, asset because there's no reason for me as a larger shareholder to be spending money acquiring asset and trading our our equity for for inferior assets from superior uh, uh, ownership. So on the other side, in terms of um, valuation, uh, silver valuation is fairly easy to to uh, to assess because there's so few juniors out there. There are probably 30 silver juniors and maybe another 20 to 30 producers altogether, maybe 50 at, at the best, um, around 50 or maybe 70 if you want to include again some of the you know lesser known and lesser liquid companies. Um, the the market is valuing approximately 500 million dollars valuation, 500 million US dollar for approximately 200 million ounces of silver resource uh, companies uh, for mature assets. Again, there's variations depending on the grade and then the potential to explore, uh, discover additional minerals and cut off and whatnot. But that's a general rule of thumb, $500 million for 200 million ounces. Uh, and uh, you have the likes of Discovery Metals and you know, Discovery Metals is around 700 million market cap and you have New Pacific that's 900. Um, 450 million ounces and discoveries is about 400 million ounces and you have Bear Creek that's about 400 million dollar market cap for about uh, just over 200 million ounces so you know, it's a roughly guideline with New Pacific trading at a premium and the Bear Creek trading at a uh, discount and discovery metal is sort of in between. Um, we believe that Malcolm has that potential to reach the size of discovery metals and surpass that of Bear Creek Minerals and New Pacific just on the Sunawayo project alone. And, and then Malcolm will be doubling up of, of Sunawayo and now that, that will be doubled of everybody else. And then you add the Plukayo and you add the Altruenfo on top of that. 
and that's why we believe that our current market cap of just under 100 million is very undervalued. And that there's there's a reason for that, Andrew, too, because our current 57 million ounces, only 57 million ounces is 43.11 compliant. So at a 57 million ounce, our market cap is fairly valued. I'm just saying that, you know, Andrew, looking forward, I, I think we're going to sneak up on the market. <laughs> as the drills start to turn, as guys start putting the numbers together based on the dimensions of our drill holes and the results of these drill holes uh, that we receive from across all three of our projects, uh, it will not take a lot to figure out that we are embarking on a, on a, a multi-century uh, silver resource in the range of 300 million ounces, maybe more. And if we're able to achieve that objective, it's not inconceivable that the market assigns us a half a billion dollar a market valuation, not unlike our peers, New Pacific uh, in Bolivia, not so far from us, two and a half hour drive, and they're commanding a $900 million valuation for their silver sands deposit that's around 160 million ounces. Yeah, certainly an interesting set of circumstances, the various uh, companies we talked about here and where you guys are situated as far as it appears that there's a bit of runway left for you guys to even have half the peer valuation. Um, that's quite a run even from here. Well, John, potential investors who are listening, what would you say to them at this stage and at current price levels? Well, let's talk specifically on, on our company because you can hear a lot of silver outlook from other credible, well-known, renowned uh, silver gurus. Uh, I would say we are not only had a bit of runway with your analogy, we're literally not even beginning to taxi. <laughs> the company is, is trading extremely heavy volume and uh, we're not even on the first inning. We're not even, you know, we're just just embarking on the runway and I've been started. And to, to, for those that say, you know, John, it's, it's going to take a long time for you to prove the assets for their value to be recognized by shareholders. I mean, if you take the, if you take the analogy from New Pacific, I mean, they were at around the dollar for two, three years. And all of a sudden the market realized uh, the drill holes and the resource and they ran up to $5 in less than a year. Um, and the majority of that appreciation is at the drill hole stage, not at the publication of the resource stage. As I said, a sophisticated investor can put the two and two together. And the likes of Discovery Metals uh, is a project that was uh, already been drilled out before, but it took us brought a couple of well-known investors to put their stamps of approval on the project, and Discovery Metal went from $0.50 cents to $2.50 in less than four months. Um, and uh, Bear Creek Minerals is a, bit, uh, a more well-known story, and... Uh, so my point here is it's usually the stock can run quite quickly as the company is, is being recognized by the street. And we had an excellent, the the, the uh, in terms of street recognition, everybody's still looking at Elephant as uh, as, uh, as a synonymous to, to Pulakayo, but as the drill results of Ultra Info get rolled out, which will be in October, and as, as we uh, begin to sort of let the story of Sunawayo go out and pe as people sort of understood the potential size of this project, uh, there could be very significant um, uh, appreciation. Andrew, I just want to bring up one last point, take 30 seconds is, people say, well, John, if you don't get Marco Kota, then all you have is Greenfield exploration project without the drill hole and without the resource as soon a while. How, how are we going to value Elephant? Well, my answer to that is, at the current silver price at $25, and then the fact that this is a SEDEX deposit with already close to 400 million ounces, Andrew, the deposit at district is in play by all the major uh, mining companies. And also that Bolivia is looking for attracting foreign investment. The previous socialist government already fled. And this, the country is under a decade of underinvestment and is looking for new investments. So 
the, the, the district is in play because of the size and also because the stage of Bolivia opening for investment. Elephant has the first shot at Malcolm And even if Elephant doesn't get Malcolm for whatever reason, uh, let's suppose Glencore or Rio Tinto or Tecaminco that comes in, all three has SEDEX operating experience. Suppose one of them get that, um, which obviously is not the best news for our elephants, but still that would put elephant in play because we share the other half of the basin. So either so either way, it's good news for elephant. Another company gets Melcocolta or elephant gets Melcocolta. Either way, it's good news for us. The most important is that the district and the story is out on the field in public and the district is in play. And we definitely do believe that there's going to be a revaluation of the company in the very near future. Well, John, what about the uh, best way for the audience to reach out to you and the company? Yeah, Andrew, we are quite active on social media. We have a YouTube channel. We have Twitter, LinkedIn, and uh, and also the, the uh, our homepage, silverelef.com. It's quite well organized. We'll have a flat tree structure. You can get all the information you want with one, two clicks. And just by Googling uh, silverelephant.com, Twitter, YouTube, and LinkedIn, you can get there. we got uh, several hundred YouTube um, videos and followers, uh, several hundred followers, and it doesn't also YouTube videos, including live shots of our Pulukaga project. And then uh, on Twitter, we've got hundreds of followers, and LinkedIn, we've got thousands of followers. So they're very active accounts. We highly recommend that you subscribe to re receive the latest company news. Well, John, that's great. Let's leave it there. Really appreciate you coming on to talk about Silver Elephant and good luck with progress. Oh, pleasure, Andrew. Great to be on the show.